I have a few moments before we do our Holy Communion today. And today I'm going to be introducing a, a series. And I got to confess something. I, I, I have never done this before. Now, meaning I have not preached for 12 weeks on a consistent topic uh, like the 12 minor prophets. There's 12 weeks from here on to the next to the last Sunday in November, which then we go into what's called Advent, which is the waiting for the birth of Christ and then Christmas. So it leads us right into that. But the 12 minor prophets, let me say very briefly, there are 12 books. And the reason they're called minor, because of the shortness of the message. Not of the lack of importance of the message, but of the brevity of their message. The message is a very urgent message, but it is short and precise and to the point. And each Sunday, we'll be dealing with one of those prophets, not only in Sunday school, but also in the message. The minor prophets actually prophesied through a period of about 350 years, right before the first captivity of the people of Israel and then the second captivity of the people of Judah. They were both taken up by Assyria and Babylon. And some of these prophecies take place before. Some of these prophecies take place during the captivity. And a couple of them take place after the captivity. So what? Some of you may be asking. Well, it is interesting that each one of these prophets have a message that is relevant for us today. And my job is to, to dig in and try to find that message for us today as a preacher. Uh, next week, I'm going to show you a, a little slide. I didn't bring it up today, of, of a, a, an iceberg. And the iceberg, as you know, many times the iceberg, what you look and what's visible of the iceberg above the water is 10% of the entire block of ice. This is 10% this next 15, 20 minutes. It, illustri yeah, it illustrates the huge preparation that takes place and then for the delivery of the message. So pay attention because I think God has something important to share with us with the prophet Hosea. Hosea, for example, never went to the school to be a minister. He was an individual who was called by God. And if you look at the, first, at the, second, at the second verse, he's already calling by God. And let me be honest with you. If you're a guy like I am, it, it ain't good news. The first thing that God is saying is, Hosea, I want, I want you to be my prophet, and I want you to marry a prostitute. Thank you for saying it. Yeah. A more modern version says a whore, but I thought that was not appropriate, so I used prostitute. <laughs> marry and then marry her, She'll give you children under prostitution. And by the way, this is not about you. This is about how I am feeling in my relationship with Israel. Well, that looks good. That's a heck of a call. To marry a, a, a woman of infidelity, to go after that, to clean her up, having to go after, after, you know, well, it's amazing. You know, so today in Hosea, who was called by God to live out, basically to dramatize God's message, he was a prophet who dramatized God's message. He was a prophet who lived the message, not only said it, but he dramatized it in his life, in his existence. You see, God used Hosea's life to illustrate the life of Israel and God. 
to show the kind of relationship they had. This was kind of a gathering. Okay, let's get together and let's check in how we're doing, O Israel. So let us read right now the scripture of the Lord and listen to and for the word of God as I read from Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, it says there, through 8. Now, if you have your, your, your worship guide, that reading is found in there also. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Baeri, during the year when Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Joash, was the king of Israel. When the Lord first began to speak to Israel through Hosea, he said to Hosea, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. I wonder if he was the one to blame. And she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, call that son Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence and I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Soon after, Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter and the Lord told Hosea to call her name Lo-Ruhama, which means not loved. For I will no longer, no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses or chariots, but by my power, as the Lord God says. After that, Gomer had another baby, and after she had weaned Lu, Lo Rumaha, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, Name him Lo Ami, which means not mine or not my people, for Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. The word of the Lord. What an amazing ordeal did Hosea experience. God wills for Hosea to marry a prostitute. God wills for Hosea to be an example of God's ordeal with the people of Israel. What an amazing ordeal he gets caught up into. You see, Hosea, who was just a typical, a typical you know, Israeli living and, and, and working, he gets called by God to this kind of adventure. So he marries Gomer. He's humble enough. He's wise enough to, number one, recognize the voice of God. He trusts God enough to go ahead and take the step and go into this, which obviously all of us would know is a reckless and almost a death-defying relationship in which he's going to get into. So Hosea marries Gomer. She's, she is a lost soul seeking for someone to care for her, seeking and questioning where if anybody loves her, and actually seeking and questioning if she belongs somewhere in the life that she's been given. They have three children. One of them is called Jezreel, which actually means God will scatter. God is going to spread out. The second one is, is, a, is a daughter, and she is called Lo. Ruhama, which means no love for you. 
And the third child, which is another boy, is called Lo-Ami, which means forget this one. Forget that one because you are not my people. Interesting how angry God is. Look at your brows. God is doing such a thing. Well, God is realizing that his people have been unfaithful to God. They have been going after other gods. They have been worshiping other gods. They have been taking the focus away from Yahweh, from Adonai, their God, and they're putting their focus, their energy, into other things like prosperity. You see, Hosea preaches and Hosea teaches right before Amos teaches. And the northern kingdom of, of Israel is enjoying an amazing prosperity because they are neighbor with the Phoenicians. This is what the period where the Phoenicians are really thriving financially and conquering the oceans. And their best business dealer, dealer was Israel, the northern kingdom. And they are doing good. They are doing well financially. And what happens to people when they're doing good? They don't need God. And what happens to people when things are bad? They blame God. But no one is willing to listen to God. So God, you know, so Gomer continues her infidelity. Hosea goes out to rescue her one, two, and three times. Every time she goes out into the streets, every time she goes out, she goes deeper and deeper in her prostitution and her darkness. Every time she steps out. It comes to the point where she falls in what we know today as trafficking, as women trafficking. She failing to be a slave to the point that she could no longer go home and take care of her kids and forget about the husband, Hosea, who God, on the other hand, has continued to encourage, ask, and inspire Hosea to follow her, to go seek her, to clean her up, to honor her, to forgive her, even to the point of having to purchase her again. It belonged to her, to him. It was his wife. And yet, because of her infidelity, because of her just going in the streets, because she didn't trust anyone, because of her lack of trust, because of lack of sense that somebody cared for her, she kept on looking for love in the wrong places. She kept on going out, looking for that care, looking for that love, looking for that sense of belonging. A poor, lost soul. And yet, God inspires Hosea to go and buy her out. He has to get his cash. He has to get some wheat and some barley together. He didn't have enough cash to purchase her and get her out of that lifestyle. He goes, he purchases her, he brings her home. They live together. And the whole story is an analogy, a comparison, a metaphor on how it is that our lives may be with God. I wonder to what degree, I wonder to what degree we're also spiritual prostitutes, would that be the language? Spiritual adulterers? As we find other gods and we think that our careers, who we dedicate our mornings our afternoons and our evenings are going to supply our needs. In the realm of natural, yeah, they do supply our needs, but in the ultimate analysis, it is God who provides everything we need. It is God who provides everything we have comes from God. And yet, we do not trust the idea that God cares for us. So we go out and care for ourselves. 
We don't trust that God really loves us. So we find love in many places, either with our, 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 our sports or we find dedication with our nation, you know, hello, with hyper-patriotism, which leads to death because it gives nothing. Or we start hating others. We find a way to love ourselves and not receive the love of God. And then we go off and finding other ways in which we belong. So the, the young teenager who is lost and, and doesn't have a family, he joins a gang because there he feels cared for. There he feels loved because there is discipline. And there he feels that he belongs too because his family is unraveling. His family does not give him the base where he or she is secure enough. This is who we are. This is where we belong. And therefore, the kid is out there looking and looking and seeking, trying to satisfy those deep-seated longings that each human being has, not being, being scattered, not being loved, and not having the sense of belonging. The issue with Israel is very similar to our issues. You see, in chapter 6, the story is told basically of Gomer and, and, uh, and Hosea. is told from chapter 1 to chapter 3. From chapter 4 to chapter 13, God turns in, and this is the prophecy itself. It is the proclamation of God's anger, of God's judgment, and the reasons why God is feeling that way. Let me just mention a couple of brief ones. The, one of the first uh, um, complaints that God has about us is that we don't know him. You don't know me, he says in chapter 4, verse 6. You don't know me. And the people that don't know me, they perish. And you don't know me, so you don't know my love. You don't know the depth, the width, the height, the, the, the amazing love that I have for you because you do not know me. And instead of knowing me, we follow institutions, we follow a church, we follow a leader, but we don't follow God. That is the one, not the institution, not the preacher, not this place. It is God who is our provider, who is the one that wishes for us to know him deeply, significantly, meaningfully. And then our lives will have that question answered. Does God really care? In chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, uh, God complains with the people of Israel, you are following other gods. And, and, and it's interesting enough that in the poetry of following other gods, it is the imagery that we are following after gods that are like vapor, that are like mists, things that are now, and when the sun comes up, they disappear. We're following after temporary. We're following after useless. We're following after just things that are not eternal. We're turning them into gods our career. Maybe our own problems have become our gods. And we dedicate every effort and every issue to our problems. Maybe our own economy has become our god. Maybe our own lack of has become our god. And thus all our energy is focused in that way. Everything we do, everything we think, we focus that way because first of all, we don't really think God cares for us. And we question whether God even loves us. So we follow and we seek other temporary vapors, things that are now and disappear like other gods, like money that now we have it and one issue in China can disappear at all. Is that where we're relying? 
Thirdly, in chapter 13, God complains to the people and confronts them with the idea that they are ungrateful. It is God who makes their vines to flourish. It is God who brings the rain upon them. It is God who fattens their cattle with the grass in in, in the soil, and yet they are ungrateful. God reminds them of how faithful God has been to God's people by listening to them in slavery in Egypt, by being faithful in the desert and having the cloud over day and the column of fire by night. He was faithful to them as he opened the, the sea, as they crossed the sea in dry land. He was faithful to, the, to God's people when they had to take over the land and they would flee. The enemy would flee because they would hear and they know that the God Almighty of heaven and earth was behind this tribe called the Israelites. And they forget about that over and over again. They forget about it because they, you know, because they just guess what? They are like you and like me. That with the glory of the moment, we celebrate God. And when the darkness and the winds come, we forget and we tremble. And we find no trust in God. So we question ourselves, do we belong somewhere? Do we belong somewhere? Oh, what scandalous love God shares in verse in chapter 14 as it ends. God then pour out God's scandalous love reckless love, unmeasured love to remind God's people of God's promises. You see, no matter how deep you go in darkness, God cares, God loves because you belong to God. No matter how broken you are inside, God cares, God loves because you belong to God. No matter how far away you feel you are from God, God cares, God loves because you belong to God. No matter how angry, how resentful we could be inside, God reaches out with his hands of healings because God cares, God loves, and you belong to God. No matter how deep the waters, no matter how hot the fire, no matter how big the abyss may be, God will reach and embrace you because we belong to God. Do I have an amen? Amen. In verse 4, in chapter 14, we read the words, At the time I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those who I have called, not loved. I will show love to those that I called, not loved. And to those that I have called, not my people, I will say, you are my people. And they will reply, you are my God. Hosea reminds them, O Israel, O light of hope, To the Lord your God, return to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to God. He also says in verse 4, in chapter 14, I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds. He cares for us. My anger will be gone forever. He loves us. And I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel's blossom like the lily. I will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars of Lebanon. We belong to God. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will live again under my shade, says the Lord. 
In the New Testament, I find this reading from, from Peter saying, but you are not like that. He's saying, you are not homeless. You are cared for and you are loved. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God and, and he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Oh, once you had no identity because you were not a people. Now you are God's people once you received mercy. Now you have received mercy. You see, my dear sister, my dear brother, God cares. God loves. And God also makes you part of God. You belong to God. Amen.